0: Hello everyone, today I'm with the amazing Lena Robinson and she's one of the most unconformist people I know and she's so inspiring, full of energy, she has so many interesting stories and she has founded a business called FTSQ, she will tell you a bit later what it's about, so if you have little ones around, put some headphones while listening to this video, there might be some other language. So, welcome,
1: Lina! Woo-hoo. Hello, everybody! Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. So, yeah, really looking forward to today. I'm so excited, to. I find you
0: so inspirational, so I'm so glad to have managed to catch you on my podcast interviews. So, <laughs> tell me more. Tell everybody, um, where are you from and... Uh, about your company why is it called FTSQ what it means and um, why you decided to start this company
1: sure so um, uh, I'm from New Zealand so you'll have to get used to the Kiwi accent and probably some of my Kiwi-isms I've lived in London for 17 years so I've been here quite a long time so pretty much a Londoner now and I do love this country and and the city of London. Um, But yeah, Kiwi Kiwi through and through. Um, I've, uh, FTSQ, and this is why the language thing, um, stands for fuck the status quo. Yeah, just let that sort of sink in for a minute. Um, uh, And the reason for it is I, by nature, am a maverick and have always been a bit of a maverick, but I'm also a a caring person. And throughout my career, although I am a non-conformist, I've had corporate careers, but I was also, uh, and this is something that um, we've already talked about um, previously in private conversations, is um, I was born to a... uh, Mixed race mother who is Maori and Scottish, uh, who is also happens to be a Jehovah's Witness. Um, but I was my father is a white, uh, originally dope dope smoking hippie uh, that did landscaping and was very nonconformist and always had artists and creatives and um, people that were musicians because he's a musician himself. And so I came from this very diverse very different two people who still are together by the way and very much still in love and mum's still a Jehovah's Witness and dad doesn't smoke dope anymore but he's still a very creative you know personality and um, you know having that very diverse upbringing where constantly having very unusual type of people coming through my life um, I have categorically been brought up very non-conformist and as a result of that although I ended up um in jobs where uh, I was often in very corporate environments because I ended up uh, doing work where I was in an office, and we'll talk, probably end up talking a little bit about that later, um, I was always the maverick in those situations. And I did go on to have a very, very, in London, a very, very successful corporate career in one of you know, several of the biggest advertising agency groups in the world at a very senior level, um, as a new business director, both in the UK and global at a global global level, and but I was always feeling like I was kind of out of sorts because I was the non-conformist and quite often in trouble. <laughs> As well, because I was the maverick and always bucking the system and always getting told off for doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Um, but they let me get away with it because I was making them shitloads of money. So um, I was kind of always in that, that spot. But because I'm the personality type that I am, and I'm bolshee and I'm a Kiwi and I will s- say what I need to say, I was okay because I am that strong minded, stand up for myself. Um, Won't back down, kind of personality. I was the kind of maverick that, and non conformist that could get away with it. But all throughout my career and also at school as well, I would notice the non conformist, the quieter ones, that would, by their teachers, by their friends, by their parents, um, by their bosses, and by their professors, and that kind of thing they would kind of be told that in order to succeed, they needed to conform. And I kind of say, fuck that. No. And I it made me really sad because I would often see really um, amazing people uh, have their potential squashed in, into a box and not really become the people that I thought they really had the potential to be. These non-conformists that were truly brilliant, never turn into what I knew that they were potentially able to become. Now, some of those I was able to save. I would take them in under my wing and protect them. I couldn't protect everybody. Um, and I've had several businesses where I've been able to take some of those people in. This is my third, um, FTSQ is my third business. And I've been able to take them in. Obviously, I can't save everybody. But the reason I've set up FTSQ Yes, I've got to make money. It's a business consultancy set up to support non-conformist business owners, to, uh, to enable them to have the support from somebody that knows how to run a business, to run it successfully, but to enable them to do it with somebody that understands the squiggly brained person in a better way and support them in a different way than somebody, say, from a more traditional way of doing things super. So, a consultancy like a PwC or a Deloitte's or that kind of mindset. Um, I wanted to not just create a business, which I do have to do because I've got to make money, let's be honest, but I wanted to, first of all, create a community. I wanted to create a community first from FTSQ, which is about um, providing a safe space for nonconformists to be themselves, where they weren't judged, where they were enabled to feel like they could be themselves, where that person that's always felt like they've been a square peg in a round hole could kind of go, oh, I can be myself and I can be weird and a bit odd and a bit quirky and a bit not normal and be the nonconformist amongst other nonconformists that weren't judging them, but also felt like they were accepted and that they were amongst people that could also offer support and guidance and help and knowledge in a way that they could understand and get. Um, and that's kind of why I've set up FTSQ. It's hopefully going to be my last business, the one that is going to be the one that – it's my heart. It's it's where I've – kind. I think it's kind of where I've always been heading but didn't know it. Mm. Because I feel like I've landed where I need to be. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, you said some very good points. Um, As a therapist, I have seen uh, how many times, things I've done also myself without realizing, trying to conform in the past, because... You think that people are going to accept you because it's in our nature to fit in. No, but the powerful thing is that you're teaching people that they can be themselves, so, non conformists being their authentic self and yet still be accepted by a community of people who break the rules, the ones that don't serve us, that don't make sense, and 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 just live their life fully because we can't be living our call if we are trying to live the life that we think our parents our spouse our our society might want us to think and I've tried to live that life and as when I broke and I woke up from that life I was like ah I don't want this life. I've been trying to think, I've been trying to live the life that I was supposed to live and it was all in my head because then when my, for example, my marriage broke down, nobody cared. It's like, oh, actually, my friends were still my friends. My family still loved me. I was like, okay. So, and it's very powerful that you mentor and you teach people to be okay in being nonconformist, and yet they'll still be accepted, which is
1: very powerful. It's really interesting you say that because um, I, I like you, tried to conform. I was I was a Jehovah's Witness myself, and my parents gave me the choices. By the way, I was never forced to go one way or the other because my dad isn't one and my mum is. My upbringing was I always had the choice, and I chose until my twenties, early mid twenties, to be to be one. And I still respect that of my mum, and I'm not disrespecting mum and and what have you and what she believes she believes what she believes, and they're nice, decent people, they're honorable people, and I'm okay with that um I just couldn't squash myself in, so I at nineteen got married uh trying to do the right thing um I couldn't live that life. it's too restrictive for me um I'm too big a personality. I don't fit all the things that they want me to do. There's many things I still like about them. They're honorable, decent way of life and living and, and being good human beings great um and I'm okay with that. um and my brothers are still part of it. My mum's still part of it. a lot of my family is I'm okay with that. Um, but I threw a grenade and and I've done this a few times in my life, actually, I threw a grenade into my life where. I made a choice at one point in my life where um, my marriage ended uh, after only a couple of years and that was one one of the grenades where I literally turned my back on everybody and part of the ending of it was I had to make a choice of ending it and never speaking to any of the friends in that religion ever again overnight. That was one of the hardest decisions I had ever had to make. Um, as a 20, early 20 something year old, that is not an easy choice to make. But I knew if I didn't, that I was going to break into a thousand pieces. Mm. Much like yourself, that if you squish yourself into that box too much, you're going to break anyway. So I thought, I've got to make this choice for myself. So um, that is a pretty harsh decision to have to make it was not easy and sometimes you're going to have to make those choices in your life like what is the best thing for you um it was and 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 if anybody thinks that oh that's a really brave thing to do yeah it was brave for anybody to think I wasn't scared shitless I've never been so scared in my life Mm. so don't think that fear wasn't there it was and I've had to make those other decisions other times during my life. You know, I tried to conform to the corporate job life. It eventually got me to the point where I was like, this is soul destroying. I've tried to fit in with uh, filling in the timesheets, turning up at nine o'clock. Oh, fuck. Could it be great? Talking corporate, talk because there is a style mm-hmm. of the talk and their way to dress. And uh, I mean, I never did anyway. I was always getting told off for, <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't ever filling in my timesheets. It's like, why do I need to fill in timesheets? It's a waste of time. Anyway, I was always in—I was always in trouble for something, but I always got away with it, like I said, because I was making them shitloads of money. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was always—I was always in trouble, but I always kind of got away with it because there was a there was a checks and balances. There was a balance to it because I was earning them a lot of money so they kind of would turn a blind eye to it because Mm -hmm. I was was the maverick but a lot of the time I then eventually turned the maverickness into a place of power which is why I talk at the moment I'm giving a lot of talks about don't conform to the norm there was power in your difference and I and I talk about people which is what you were talking about before about it's okay to be different. And I'm actually saying, don't just be okay with it, turn it into a place of power. If you look at people like, you know, for some of the young ones, I might be quoting some old people here, but, you know, if you look at people like Madonna, she turned her difference and constantly turned her difference into a place of power. If you look at people like Jeff Goldblum, you know, his quirkiness, he has turned categorically into um Roles that constantly make him quirky, you know, like when he's in Thor Ragnarok, he is his quirkiness is his perfect place of power. You know, you look at Taika Waititi, who has just done Jojo Rabbit and he has he did Thor Ragnarok. You know, you see the movies that he's doing, they are he has turned his place of difference into a power play. You know, you see all these different people who are. Yes, If you see him interviewed, he's nuts. I love him. He's great. But you, you see all these different people. Um, you, you go back in history and you look at the people that have changed the world. They took their quirkiness and their weirdness. Albert Einstein. You take even people like um, Martin Luther King. had a vision that was completely different to everybody else these people have taken their difference and they turned it into a place of power there is nothing that gets changed in this world anywhere that isn't done by a non-conformist these people change the world very true very true
0: and i believe it's because like for example when you're looking for a doctor You can Google and you find so many genetic doctors, but when you find a specialist and you find the one that is like, I am very good at what I do. I excel into eye issues. You want to go to that specialist. The one that is passionate, that has the quirk that will know everything about the eye. And, um, and also there are so many companies that every day start and the what's I believe conformance in a business is when you try to please everybody and nobody is attracted to you. Instead, for example, your business idea is very clear. You help people to get out of their shell of conformance to try to please everyone and to be unique and to be strong in their own uh, uh, quirkiness so they can be different from everybody else. So when somebody is looking for that kind of person, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to work with this person, right?
1: Well, here's the weird thing. If you If you try and please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Yeah. you become beige, you become bland and you spread yourself so thin that you achieve often achieve nothing. So here's the interesting thing here's what pleases everybody toothpaste brands. There's not many products out there that have to please everyone
0: mm.
1: it's the products that only everyone needs to use like toothpaste they even they're the things that everybody through. needs to use or toilet paper or do you know what I mean like start thinking about the brands that only everybody needs to use like one toilet paper is pretty much the same as every other toilet paper or one to- toothpaste is pretty much I mean there's not really that much difference but I can tell you this, since i become more environmental and more
0: careful on the climate and the animal cruelty, I don't buy any more regular toothpaste. I only buy the ones that are not tested on animals and use only botanical ingredients. So
1: I have to you say... Get did point, I think, sorry? You get my point, You, you get yeah. my point, I, I understand what you're saying, but you get my point, like... Yes, there's some subtle differences, but toothpaste, toothpaste at the end of the day. Like Yeah,
0: but the one who do it differently within my own ethics, I go to the quirky ones, as you said before. Yeah, yeah, it's a large market, but I go to the ones that do things differently.
1: Yeah, they cool. Okay, understood. <laughs> you just ruined my bland point, but understood. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make the point of There's this, like, if you look at um, there's some there's some products that just have to work, that have to set themselves apart differently because of the fact that there is so much difference that they have to make, you know. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting. So for me, everybody was going there's so, oh, you're going to really struggle with becoming, moving away. So my last business was a uh, new business consultancy for agencies. And, you know, that's a lot more niche than what I do now. And everybody said, oh, you're going to be a business consultant? Oh, there's a million business consultants. And when I talk to people now and I'm meeting them for the first time, They said, oh, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a business consultant. And they immediately start to glaze over. And I said, oh, yes, but I'm not just any business consultant. My business is called FTSQ, which stands for fuck the status quo. And their eyes go, oh, fuck, really? So for me, in a sea of blandness of business consultants, fuck the status quo stands out like that. So for me, it is very easy in a world of bland to stand out. So that's why for me, being a non-conformist, I've turned it into a place of power. I've used, I used my Kiwiness. In my last business, I used my Kiwiness as my unique point of difference. When I first came over from New Zealand... I used to get teased about my accent and it used to bug me a lot and it used to affect me a a little bit and most used to, you know, make me feel a bit down. Oh, I'm I'm the weird one again. I'm the odd one out again, you know, the Kiwi and it's a tough. And then I thought, Oh no, forget that. You know, I'm not, no, I'm going to, and I turned it into a place of power. And the fact that I called my first business, Originally it was called Kiwi Girl because I started on my own and then I bought a business partner in, which was a bloke. So I had to call it Kiwi. We called it something else. We called it Kiwi Gray, which was the combination of my Kiwiness and his, his name. So it became Kiwi Gray. But what was different about that was the Kiwiness and it couldn't be taken by anybody else. So it stood us out amongst all the other businesses because it couldn't be taken by anyone else. Because I was known in the industry Oh, that's that Kiwi woman. You know, nobody could take that away from us. You know, I was known in the industry very well as Lena Robinson the, the gobby kiwi, you know, the outspoken Kiwi. So that's why I think it's really important that nonconformists shouldn't hide away. They should turn that nonconformity into a place of power. I think it's really, really important.
0: How did you transform your accent thing? Because I I sometimes struggle with the same issue. How did you first change your accent into a position of power? Like just making yourself like stand out for it
1: or? Yeah. I don't apologize for it anymore. And um, I'll make a joke of it. So I started then making a joke of it in boardrooms. I would stand up in a boardroom and I'd go, hi guys. So yeah. I'm the Kiwi in the room. Ha! That's funny, isn't it? And just make a joke of it. And then I'd go, and I'd just put your hand up if you don't understand me. I'll answer any questions. And just, I completely flipped it around. So I made a headline of it. Instead of apologizing for it or hiding it away, I flipped it around so that I was owning it.
0: Nice.
1: Own it completely. And I also used it as an excuse to be blunter. So New Zealanders are no bullshit, straight to the point, cut through the crap kind of people. And I'm even more so, that's my personality. So I now use it. I'll go, oh, you'll just have to excuse me, but I'm a straight talking Kiwi. So I'm just going to cut to the chase (laughs) and I will use it as an excuse to just cut through the shit in a meeting. When everybody's talking crap, I will just cut through the crap and say, I'm just going to be blunt here, guys. You're just talking a whole lot of shit. And I will just cut through it by saying, you'll have to excuse me, I'm just the Kiwi in the room, and just use it. I turned it into my place of being able to say what I wanted to say.
0: Yeah, because one of your manifestos, which you can also find on your website, is Say uh, You're Honest. And that's the thing... I have seen that sometimes people struggle to tell the truth. They, they try to embellish, to sugarcoat it. Instead, I've seen it's much more effective to tell the straight truth without hurting feelings and stuff. But people need to hear the truth. If something is not working, it's not like, ah oh, maybe I'll do that. No, if you're straight, you're honest. Some, sometimes people might be taken aback, but at least they know what they need to work on and without the old fluffiness of a long journey of words. So, and also, I love also your other manifesto that's always honest, brave enough to challenge. She will challenge you, she will challenge herself. And, uh, and the most important thing is they care. So her business, they care about you and this is something very important because so many times we deal with companies that are more interested in to a number so we are just client number x of the month instead these people they care and it's very powerful because again um you understand the powerfulness of
1: human connection yeah would you like to? yeah absolutely so um The caring thing for me, I've got to a stage in my life where um, I don't have to work with everybody anymore, right? Which is why I'm very careful about who I choose to work with. And the reason for that is, is that when I'm giving my heart over to the people I'm working with, I want it to be giving it to the people I care about. So the reason the branding is so strong and... Uh, if anybody goes and looks at both my profile on LinkedIn or the profile of the business, the profile of the business on LinkedIn says, we don't work with dicks. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> that is, is that I've got to a point in my life where I only want to be working with the people that deserve my care and attention. The reason for that is, is that once I decide to give you my care and, t- and attention, I will give you my all, as will the business, because it's not just me or won't won't be seen it wasn't and then it was and then it is again um and the reason for that is is that i don't have time for bullshit anymore i'm too old i've been working for 30 years now i'm done with working with idiots i can't be bothered now that may sound tough and whatever but like i have a choice in my life to not have people like that in it and that's like and i'm If you talk to any of my clients that I've worked with, one they stay with me a really long time because I do genuinely care. So sometimes you'll see words on websites where it say people go, "Oh, we care," and it's just words. I can tell you now. You talk to anybody that any of my clients that work with me that have stayed that stay with me a long time. I do give a shit. I really genuinely care about their businesses. I care about them as individuals to the point where a lot of them have become personal friends so for example um and we haven't talked about this, but I've just come off about of um twelve months of chronic illness, and uh, two um, you know some of those people came with me to my CT scans and things when I had to get my neurological stuff, you know, clients came with me. That's amazing. That's how good a relationship I have with those people. So, um, yeah, I genuinely care. And it's because I think it comes from having, uh, my parents have their own businesses all of my life. I genuinely understand, and having worked for my parents a couple of times as well, I genuinely understand what it feels like and the empathy that I have for business owners. I genuinely understand what it feels like owning your own business. And when I work with somebody... I, and I am an empath, very high level empath. Whenever I've had tests on it, it comes up at sort of anywhere between 97 and 99%, which is why I'm careful about who I work with, because I do emotionally feel people, what happens in people's businesses as well. So um, when I'm working uh, in people's businesses, I'm feel, often feeling like when they're having problems, I'm, I'm worried about what's happening with their business. I feel what's going on. I like it not going, oh, this is going on with we'll some, oh, what can we do? You know, because I'm feeling what's happening, you know, which is why I, I don't have massive business. I'm want, don't want to work with a gazillion people. I want to work with the people that I care about and what have you. So yeah, it matters to me. Those people's businesses matter to me. I want them to succeed. My I will feel I've done the right job when those businesses are being successful. You know? Um, Yeah, it matters. It genuinely matters to me.
0: You mentioned about your uh, helping your parents Yeah,
1: Yeah. sorry.
0: But that's the thing is because um, I believe all of us, we would rather work with somebody who's passionate and uh, they want us to succeed rather than going to somebody where we are just uh, work instead you uh, when you work with somebody you're very selective which is very good because you don't want to work with everybody you just want to work with the people that you feel you can help and they connect with you so it's very it's lovely the relationship you're building like they come with you to the exams and stuff that's beautiful that's beautiful yeah i love
1: my clients and they love you back clearly so i hope so i think they do yeah i mean even when i wasn't working with them while i was ill they were ringing me and connecting with me all of the time to make sure i was okay they were sending me gifts they were ringing up to see how my health was they were sending me stuff to do with my health um yeah, they genuinely were making sure that I was okay on a genuine basis to make sure that my mental health was okay, as in, you know, was because it was obviously a very stressful time, they were just checking in on a very regular basis just to make sure I was okay. Um, yeah, they were pretty cool. Still are pretty cool.
0: That's lovely. And also, you mentioned before how you saved your business, um, your parents' business. Would you like to tell more about the shop? Eh? What did you do? And I already heard this story. This is going to Yeah,
1: sure. Um, it was quite a long time ago and I was very young. I think I was, how old was I? I think I was about 24-ish, 25, something like that. Um, i have been working, because I started working really young, um, I didn't, typical non-conformist, uh, didn't go to university, should have, probably could have quite easily, I intended to, but um, I went and did a, a summer holiday job um, for a entrepreneur and didn't he, And he offered me a, a role, and I thought, do I go to university or do I go and work for this amazing entrepreneur and learn off of him and I decided to learn off of him instead um, but so i didn 't go to university but um so I started at just before I was um, eighteen, I think it was yeah and uh, so started really young, so by the time I was twenty four ish I'd been working quite a long time, and my parents had got themselves into a little bit of trouble and not through any fault of their own necessarily. Somebody had done them a bit of a dirty and they had been, um, kind of screwed over by somebody and left being owed a lot of money by somebody that had skipped the country. And, as a result of that they were in trouble with the inland revenue which is the equivalent of hmrc in new zealand and what they needed to do was they were pretty much basically going to be put under um put into administration is what they call it over here um by the inland revenue and they basically said to me um you need to come and help us get out of this situation will you leave your job and come and help sort this out and of course it's my family business um we were going to lose the house they were going to lose everything and I said um yes I will come and help you sort this out so I left my job it's another throw, throwing the grenade into my life um of course when your parents ask for your help you do so I left my job and I went at, to work for my parents and I What I basically did is I went and negotiated with the Inland Revenue and I said, right, here's the option. You can let us trade out of this or you will end up with nothing. Mm. So if you allow us to, and they said, well, if you can go and convince all of the other creditors that they owe money to um, that this is okay and we put a payment plan in place and they allow that payment plan to happen as well, then what we will do is we will stop charging them at this point for all of the interest. The interest won't carry on from this point. We'll we'll halt it there as long as you stick to the payment plan of these dates and this amount and da 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 and we will give you X amount of time to pay it off. Only if you can go and convince all the other creditors that you can do that. And I said, okay, then. So I grabbed the accountant And we literally went and met with every other creditor that they had. And we said, if you allowed us to um, trade out of this situation, so what we will do is if you hold all of the trade accounts that you've got and you allow us to continue to trade with you cash on delivery, so they had a landscaping business. So if you allow us to continue to purchase off you, but every time you deliver Uh, product onto site so whether it was wood or uh, rocks or plants or what have you instead of putting it onto account we will pay you cash on delivery plus we will continue to pay off the debt that is on the accounts um will you let us trade out of this and because they knew my parents were very honorable people and that they'd been left in the crapper and this wasn't something that they were doing intentionally every single one of the creditors Said yes, we will let you do this. Now I was 24 years old, and I did it with the accountant. But we went to see every single one of them. Um, I also then started putting processes in place into my parents' business because the reason that the situation had happened with that client is because the client had been changing, or plans on my father. My father's an amazing. Um, creative person and he's an amazing landscaper and what have you. But what had happened was he let the client keep changing plans on him without changing the quote amounts and not sign agreed amount. He'd verbally changed the amounts, but basically hadn't signed agreement that the the prices are changed. So what he then did when the guy skipped the country, he'd paid up to a certain amount and then he'd said to him my father, I will only pay what you originally quoted, not all the changes. So he basically said, you've got no proof mm. that this has changed. So what I did is I put new processes in place with um, letters of engagement as well as um, documents, uh, book books that the guys would then have on site that if a client wanted to change anything, they had to sign for it right there and then. So there was a whole lot of processes and things I put into play. Um, I also did things like if clients uh, were not willing to sign those documents, I literally, oh, it was quite scary sometimes, um, I would literally go and walk onto site and walk the team off off site until clients would pay things, which as a 24-year-old young woman was quite scary to do, um, especially because a lot of the people were quite wealthy businessmen and they thought they could run roughshod over my father and I just wouldn't let them. So yeah, it was quite tough sometimes. But um my parents have ended up retiring with no debt and four and a half acres and building property and um, yeah no they've retired well. So luckily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was really that's the business. <laughs> Most twenty four something will be thinking about oh um, the boyfriend or girlfriend and uh, uh going uh, to get drunk on a saturday night while you were saving an empire that your parents built and getting divorced and getting divorced yeah yeah, yeah. that's in the super middle the- and <laughs> um, when your
1: parents do you step up don't you
0: yes yes absolutely
1: and what has this
0: experience taught you like how that 24 years old is the one still fueling this business and uh, because I guess but also what I've noticed women I don't know how it's in uh, New Zealand but in Europe and US a 24, guy, a 24 year old guy will have had been perceived much different than a 24 years old girl. Do you have the same issue in uh, New Zealand?
1: No, I don't think of myself. Um, New Zealand's a really interesting country because um, New Zealand was the first country in the world to get the female vote. So I think we're quite a few generations ahead of the rest of the world in and, and the way of thinking. So if you listen to, there's some really interesting um, interviews. If you see Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, interviewed... Uh, there's a couple of interviews but also a conversation that she has with the previous Prime Minister who is also her mentor Helen Clark she never thought of herself in the way that a lot of, I see a lot of women think and I think it's a, New, it's a New Zealand woman thing she never thought of herself of never being able to achieve something because she's a woman she doesn't think like that a New Zealand woman don't tend to think like that we don't think of ourselves as um and I certainly didn 't it might be the way that my parents brought us up as well because i New Zealand women tend to be brought up in a way of thinking about business and thinking about life like I know how to build a house and and do a hammer and drive a tractor and drive my dad 's trucks in exactly the same way as my brothers do, and my brothers know how to cook and clean and run a house like New Zealand girls are brought up in a very equal way like i don't i've never walked into a boardroom and i've had to adjust my way of thinking to help other women in this because i don't walk into a boardroom expecting not to be listened to because i'm a woman i don't walk into any room thinking oh they might not listen to me because i'm a woman i automatically walk into a boardroom expecting i'm going to be listened to period not because i'm a male or a female i just automatically assume i'm going to be listened to i don't think male or female in that way Now, whether that's my personal upbringing or whether that's I'm a Kiwi, I don't know. I think it tends to be because we're Kiwis. It's a New Zealand way of thinking. Well, I don't don't think male or female. I just don't. And, And I've had to be much more understanding of other females as I've grown older because as a younger female, I used to look at other women and go, what are you on about? Stop thinking like that. You've just got to, and I've had to be more understanding because culturally I've been brought up differently. Therefore, I've got to understand that there are barriers there and I get it. Whereas I used to think, well, what are you on about? There's no barriers. Where's this glass ceiling that everybody's yabbering on about? Because I never saw it. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't. But it's clearly there. Of course it is. Stupid me for thinking that it wasn't. Because for some people, it is, it clearly is. And there was a lot of misogyny. And there's, but Because I, wasn't, I didn't see it, because I wasn't experiencing it, because I don't um, go into it thinking it, often for me, it, it's never been there for me. That's better like this. And I'm not treated like that because I don't think like that. But confidence in women is a big issue. And because of that issue, it's there for a lot of people. Therefore, they're treated like that. And it's a bad problem, big, big problem. And I hadn't recognised it for a really long time and it's something that I've had to grow up a lot about and change my attitudes towards because I wasn't very understanding about it for other women for a really long time.
0: Yeah. Which is not cool. It's not cool. When you're assertive, you feel somehow you need to justify. We justify ourselves much more than uh, guys do. But I think
1: it's a positive that you... Because I don't justify it. myself. I don't need to.
0: Mm.
1: No need to justify. I'm just me. You, you either do, do is, it or don't do it. This is something
0: you can inspire and um, help your female clients. When, whenever you feel that they are too into the, the thing that they need to justify themselves or they are scared to speak up, you just train them to get the A. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no need to be scared to speak It's really interesting when people um, talk about, when women talk about uh, the fact that they're in a boardroom and they go, oh, the men talk over me. I said, just talk louder. I said, because if any man tries to talk over, or any person tries to talk over at the top of me, I just talk louder. (laughs) I don't give a shit. Like, don't care. Awesome. Don't put baby in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) love love it. And I think because I don't go in allowing anybody to treat me like that, they just don't. So Mm -hmm. it's the attitude that needs to be supported and strengthened in women of just not going in with the mindset. And that's what I want to support more is helping that mindset be adjusted so that you don't even go in there thinking I'm going in there as a woman. Oh goodness. We need to change that. Yeah. It needs to be changed because I don't go in thinking like that. It's not even crossing my mind. Very good.
0: Very good. (laughs) Uh, What about like, which kind of clients do you love to work with?
1: Oh, I mean, obviously non-conformists every single time. And what I mean by that is just, I like quirky people. I like unusual people. I like people that have been, maybe, in particular, I like people that have maybe been been struggling to be heard, who have been desperately wanting somebody to stand up for them. Um, and I don't mean they've necessarily been weak or anything, like just people that have been wanting to be understood. Um, they need support. They need help. Um, they need guidance and aren't afraid to ask for it. Um, I'm quite happy with people that are bolshy like me. I'm quite happy to take on people like that. I'm just wanting people to, that are okay to sort of say, I need somebody to guide me in the right direction, but aren't quite sure which direction they need to take. They want somebody to partner them and taking them to where they need to go, but aren't quite sure. What that needs to be. Um, yeah. And people that kind of struggle with the business side sometimes. So, a lot, I often end up working with a lot of creative types um, that, as I said before, think in squiggly lines is how I like to describe it, who will just, for instance, struggle with maybe being organized or struggle with trying to run their business because they're not very good at the business side, but they're really amazing creatives or maybe they're really struggling with, they're they're really creative, but they can't sell, they don't know how to sell any of it or, you know, they they use, they often come in the form of um, good at one, one bit of it, but they're not good at the other bit of it. Yeah. Um, or particularly may have a business that's maybe reached a certain level, but for some reason, and it's usually the owner, can't get out of their own way. For some reason, they've kind of hit a level and just for some reason can't get it past, just keeps hitting the same level, can't seem to get bigger than what they are. Yeah. Yeah, Um,
0: something I struggle a lot in the beginning because... I was trying to do everything so I was trying to become a a jack of all traders and I was a master of none instead I wish I just focus on what I was good and I will hire people who knew how to do the other things like it's things that I'm not strong because that's the thing I believe the best way to start a business is or if you have already a running business is to keep doing the things you're good at and then collaborate or hire people that can do that side of a year a week because solos you don't go very far i've learned that lesson in a very hard way so as you said you work with exceptionally talented people who are very creative and they're very good at what they do but maybe they don't know how to sell or they don't know how to organize their business these are very big big things and um, and unfortunately online if we listen to what's online uh, everything you can learn it by yourself just learn 19 dollars here 20 dollars there 30 there and then you spend a lot of money in things that are overwhelming you and you have to do all by yourself instead when you hire somebody who knows what they're talking about like you you're an expert you know how to do sales, you know how to run a business, then people can take a side of relief and say, oh, Lena is working on that. And I can focus on what my creative side
1: of the business or whatever they do. I see a lot of people wasting time on bullshit. <laughs> okay. that. I've done that a lot. Um, and I also see a lot of people buying crap from cheesy salespeople. It drives me insane. Um, you can waste a lot of time just doing the cookie cutter stuff. And don't get me wrong, there's some good stuff out on the internet, of course there is. You know, and you can learn a lot of things and you can gather a lot of stuff, but there is nothing like just working with somebody that's done it them that's done it before. It can cut through the crap. Yeah, like why try everything? When you can just talk to somebody that goes, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Just do this. Yes. Specifically for your business, specifically for your audience, specifically for your product, your service. Because what you're going to do is you're going to end up wasting a whole lot of time, money, effort, energy, trying cookie-cutter approaches when somebody can just very quickly, succinctly go, right – Here's what's going on in your business. Here's what your audience is going to be doing. Here's what we need to do. Here's what, through my 30-something years of experience, can tell you, having sorted this, done this, da-da-da-da-da, this is what you need to do. Forget all that crap. Do this. Because I know this works for a fact. Yeah. yeah I, I just feel this bullshit that people, the messes I'm, I have to crack, fix sometimes does my nut in, because I'm just thinking, oh, Christ, man, the amount of crap that you have to get rid of first, when I could have just so easily just gone, "Mm, just do this. It does my head in. And I just see it all the time. All this crap that gets put up on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, do these funnels and do this, you know, do all this and you get 30 leads in a month and you're like oh it's just bullshit mm. it's just bullshit that's yeah, one, and that's
0: it. because when uh, somebody works with you uh you can uh, sort the things because a lot of those cheap things that they're trying to sell on the internet a lot are softwares or ebooks The think is like do it yourself and uh, putting a furniture from Ikea by yourself is one thing buying a furniture that is sturdy made that will last for the future generation that you can give to your kids is different there are two different concepts and you can arrive in the thing to give your intuition which you have an amazing intuition you are very good in business and sales and so you can check how a business is doing the health of a business and you yeah. can see where it needs improvement and what needs to be gone and so it's very powerful. And um, like, how? What is your the thing you do the most for businesses? Like, how is
1: the most common way you help them? There isn't. There isn't one. I'm See, not I'm gonna even. Gonna even, even I'm not even going to answer that. That's, there's no. There is no common. Uh, actually, no. There is one. It's usually the owner of the business. The owner of the business is usually the problem. If there was one common thing. They're usually getting in their own way. In which way? How do I explain this? Their own blockages are usually their own, um, their own blockages, their own bullshit, their own crap is usually fundamentally the thing that is getting in the way of their business, taking it to the next level. Processes can be easily fixed. Problems can be easily fixed. You can guarantee because I I have a an audit that I do on a business that looks at everything that's in the business itself. But fundamentally, when I step back from it, and I because you're looking at the business, but I can almost guarantee you when you get to the real heart of the thing, the thing that's probably really getting in the way is probably the owner itself either doing something that's silly or wrong or fundamentally they are getting in their own way because of attitudes or behaviours or issues that they have in their own self, which is why we have a consultancy part of the business but something that I put and and I'm bringing somebody on board. That's going to be doing more of that side of things. And I'm going to step back from the consultative part of the business. And what I'm going to personally be focusing on is more mentoring and coaching of the business owner themselves. And the reason for that is, is that nine times out of 10, the real problem is the owner of the business. Yeah. Because they have got some kind of block, emotional or mental block that is, Getting in the way. which and other- it's behavior that's getting in the way, usually. Which- Nine times out of ten. In fact, probably ten times out of ten, usually.
0: Which is the self-sabotaging behavior or mental block that you face, that you can see is the most common? Or the one that you find the most uh,
1: frustrating? I don't know. Oh, the one that's most common is imposter syndrome. I keep coming upon it over and over again. And I've done some top level research, not deep dive research, but just done some research into it um, and sort of pulled together some stuff on it. Uh, not not as in I'm a psychologist or anything, just gone and got some other things from other people and sort of pulled it together into a document um, to give to people. Um, and I'm doing some more study myself on cognitive behavior therapy so that I can upskill my knowledge as well. Um, I'm in no way, shape or form am I a therapist and I will be, I'm looking for um, people to align to, to sort of, if I find some deep dive things, I'm not going to pretend I'm a therapist, I'm not, I will be if I do find some deep dive stuff that I can't deal with, I'll be definitely handing that on to somebody else, but um, I do find because of my nature, people want to open up to me and I've had people tell me some horrific things about childhoods and upbringings and all sorts of things which I feel very privileged that they feel comfortable telling me um, which is amazing and it is a privilege that they'll tell me this stuff but you know we all have things that sit very deeply in our childhoods and our upbringings that will block us you know, or will affect the way that we behave or will self-sabotage or what have you. I think a lot of business owners do tend to self-sabotage and imposter syndrome is one of the things that keeps um, popping up, seems to keep popping up quite a lot, but weirdly also drives a lot of business owners at the same time.
0: Yeah, like (laughs) I've noticed that sometimes what motivates people is more running away from fear rather than running towards pleasure. It's much more powerful to say, oh, if I don't do this, I will end up under a bridge. So it's like, it's a motivation.
1: The fear of success. uh, Sorry. The fear of failure drives a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. don't want, don't want to fail. Don't want to fail. Yeah. That drives a lot of, a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I agree. Also the fear of success. It's but it's not that. Well, fear of of success can block a lot of people,
1: weirdly. Yeah,
0: because then they self sabotage because they're scared that their life will change, and people will stop loving them or appreciate them. Lena was amazing to have you today, and for everyone who. Uh, is with us today if you have any questions that you would like or any topic you would like lena to chat next time feel free to write it down in the comments below so i will try to seduce lena to get again on on the podcast oh i'd love to awesome <laughs> yay and um, what's the best way for anyone who wants to reach out to you what's the best way a part of your website which i'm going to put in the description. Um, is it email or Facebook, LinkedIn, which is the best way to contact you?
1: Yeah, I mean I will provide you with um, all my uh, social media um, contacts I'm on, um, or the business is um, uh, on Facebook as uh, FTSQ it's on LinkedIn it's on um, Twitter, all as FTSQ um, it's on Instagram uh, and I am on all of the above as um, Lena Robinson so um, yeah I will provide you with all of those and they can get me at my email which is uh, Lena dot, so leNA dot Robinson at FTSq co UK um, but I'm always on all of the socials. So, uh, yeah, I will provide you with all of that and you can put that into the information that you, uh, when you.
0: Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Lena, thank you very so much for being with me today. You're welcome. It's been <laughs> lovely. It's been fun. I've loved it. <laughs> and you've been super inspirational. You have told us so much, you taught us so much, and it's been amazing. Thank you very so much.
1: Oh, you're absolutely welcome. It's been absolutely lovely. Thanks for having me.
0: Big kisses, virtual kisses, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening.